Hey, what's up, everybody? And welcome to the 10th episode of the Get Your Bell Rung Football Podcast. He is Kevin Reynolds. I am Bobby Wall, and we are here to talk all things football and hit you with some takes that might rattle you up a bit. On tonight's show, we are going to talk about some guys who you know who have found a new home in our Old Faces, New Places episode. I always like this one, Kevin. How you doing? I'm doing all right. I got my uh, unicorn parts here. So I'm living the dream, brother. How are you doing? Um, better. It seems like uh, my health has been wild uh, on this podcast. A few weeks ago, if you remember, I, I had a, my mouth was numb from an, an oral procedure I had. Uh, insert immature giggle there. Thank you, Kevin. <laughs> I knew that would get you. <laughs> and then last week. Do your oral uh, procedures. That's right. Last week, I had a little uh, bronchitis thing going on, which developed into an upper respiratory infection. So we're, we're hitting, a, hitting this thing a, a day late, uh, later than we normally would. Uh, but I am feeling great. Today is the actual first day of summer break for me and the teachers down here where I'm at, North Carolina. So life is good, man. Got a lot of stuff done around the house today. A lot of yard stuff. It's great, man. I'm feeling good. That's good to hear because... Uh... For those of you out there, the last couple of days, Mr. Wahir has not felt stellar. As a matter of fact, last night when he called me, I was fairly certain he was dying on the other end. I, I contemplated calling 911 because he really sounded, you sounded not yourself. Because typically you and you don't even feel good. You still have your little attitude about you. I mean, look at you tonight. You should not feel well, but you're still rocking the wife beater. I mean, you've, you've got it all going on, buddy. It's so my, I'm glad you're feeling better. I'm glad you're feeling better. You do you, as I always tell you, and let's get this ball rolling. Yeah, man. Yeah, I, I'll be honest. I, I I was on death's doorstep last night. I I never get like sinus pressure and headaches and stuff like that, dude. I was I was immobile for most of the evening. So well, you sound a lot better. I told Jed earlier your your voice actually does sound significantly better. So I I think we're on the right track here. Uh, excellent. Yep, I agree. And we got a, I got a question. Someone slid into my DMs and gave us a question they want us to answer um, on the air. And it's, it's a fun one. It's one that you get every, every year. But the question was, how early is too early to draft a quarterback? Well, well we, we need a lot more uh, info than that. How big is our league? What's the scoring like? Is this a two-quarterback league? Is this a super flex? Talk this, to me. This, this is the joy of being a quote analyst is sometimes you don't get all of the info you need. So you have to answer generically sometimes or give spe specific parameters to Correct. your answer. Okay. So like my league of record quarterbacks get a little more than the whole four standard four points for a touchdown pass. You get one extra five and for anything, 40 yards or over, you get up to eight. Uh, so quarterbacks are a little more important granted or on top of that it's a 16 team league so if you don't get something somewhat early you're you're left with some some rough starters but again then also of course mine's not, mine's an auction dynasty so it, it doesn't even come down to to a round it comes down to dollars but same general idea i don't know it depends who the quarterback is depends what you have already what you're planning to do I don't know what I, I would never take one in the first round. That's ridiculous. It makes no sense because you've handcuffed yourself everywhere else. Second round, right. let's just call it a 12 team league. Yep. Even there, 12 teams, single quarterback. You could maybe 
don't know if you if you really had some crazy reason or some scoring parameters, maybe late second round, but I wouldn't do that either. You you know the way you and I in, in a redraft league, we're not taking a quarterback to at least the fifth, and that's only if we're really happy with our first four. Uh, because was- there's not enough of a of a difference in the levels of taking right. the guy that's number one and the guy that's number seven to 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 so that I can sit there and uh, substantiate taking that pick so early. Now I'm, I'm handcuffed everywhere else. hundred percent. I, uh, man, it would be a very rare occurrence for me to take a quarterback before the fifth. And even those middle rounds, I'm not a fan. And a perfect example, why is last year in my league of record, which is a 12 team single quarterback league. I got Jalen hurts in the 10th or the 11th, I think. And, um, you know, some guys, Oh, Jalen hurts. And, and we know how he turned out, right? Seventh overall quarterback uh, from last year. So you can find those values late. Uh, and in terms of auction, which which you brought up, last year in one of my auction leagues, I got Tom Brady for three bucks. I, I'm not going to spend up on a QB, and I'm not going to draft one early. Now, does that mean I'm not going to get Josh Allen? Most likely. I, I have to have a pretty stacked team in the first three rounds if I'm going to take Allen in the fourth. And Allen's going to go before the fourth. So I'm, I'm not going to get him. I'm not going to get, you know, the other high-ranking guys. And, and I'm okay with that because, like I said, we, we can find value late in the draft. And to piggyback on what you said, the first quarterback to the 12th quarterback, when the season's all said and done, there's not that much difference. And you can, you can stream successfully. If you have a couple QBs that you stream week to week, you can get by with that because you don't need – you know, let's just say. Well, let let me interrupt you real quick. I sure. stream. You say you have a couple of QBs. You're talking about not streaming. You're talking about picking whatever quarterbacks already on your roster each week. You're not no, talking we, about streams and dumping, picking one up, dumping, picking one up, right? You can. I've, well, you I've had to do that. Before. I've had to do that before, and it works out because let's just say hypothetically, um, Derek Carr ends up as the 16th highest rated quarterback. Well, that doesn't matter if you started him five weeks, his five best weeks, you know, right. throughout the season and you dump him and then you, you might have to start, I don't know, maybe you got to start Marcus Mariota a week or two, but you play the matchups just like you would a, a fantasy defense. It's not ideal. It can be done. I'd rather do that than draft a QB in the first two rounds. You know, the, the thing is with your Jalen Hurst, so that's, that's more of an anomaly. It's rare you're going to get a guy in the 11th or 12th round that ends up like in the top seven, but it does happen. It, but to me, it's worth the risk to do 100%. it that way, as opposed to wasting an early pick on a guy who ends up getting 30 points less than a guy you could have gotten the fifth round. That's where it really, really matters. Uh, you know, that said, people do it. I've always been a big fan of donators. So, you know, if you're in a league with me, by all means, please draft a quarterback in the first two rounds. Get after it. Go big or go home. You can have Josh Challenge. You can have Mahomes. I, I applaud you. Please, sure. by all means. So we talked you, – you, I mentioned Jalen Hurts, but Tom Brady was going fairly late in drafts. I, this is, you know, shooting off the hip here. I want to say his ADP was anywhere between the seventh and ninth round, Brady, last year. Um. So, and he was a third highest scoring quarterback, Matthew Stafford. He was going in the double digit rounds along with Jalen hurts and Stafford was the sixth highest scoring quarterback in four point touchdown passing leagues. Um, 
Let's see. I can't. Cousins. I can't do the Stafford thing though. He's great, okay. and, and and I got best ball league or a league that's total points, but he's too much of a roller coaster. Uh, Kirk Cousins was the eleventh highest scoring quarterback. So, and he was double digit rounds. Was he eleventh? So, yes. I thought he was. I think he's high. He was a little higher than that in my league, only because he threw a couple long touchdowns to JJ that got him some bonus points. But uh, anyway, regardless. No. Yeah. Yeah. Don't draft one early. Right. Keep it late. Unless you're in one of our leagues, then we want you to do it early. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. All right. Uh, I know we touched on Deshaun Watson for the first time last week. There's new news and I don't want to talk about it too long, but there are two more possible um, charges coming out against him from two more women. So that's uh, it's not ideal. No, it's not. And Florio, my boy, uh, was just putting out there that there are those in the league office that are bordering on mutiny if Goodell doesn't do something severe. That this is this has gotten a little out of hand now. He he wrote a really long article the other day because you know I disagree with about ninety percent of everything he writes. Um, but it's like man, we have that presumption of innocence. But the way his lawyer talks, it's like every cop that even investigated is evil because. I mean, that's what the cops do. They they take something seriously and they have to investigate it and they find out a lot of stuff and maybe they think something happened. But then he starts telling there's so many stories that are the exact same. Is there really somebody out there that told all these women to say the exact same thing? It's it's starting to look really ugly for this dude. And Baker Mayfield's got to be just sitting back, just sipping his unicorn farts and loving life because he has... He has the Browns by the throat right now, for lack of a better uh, body part. And uh, I, I, this is going to be so interesting to see play out. And, and it takes the Browns from a contender, a Super Bowl contender, to four, maybe last place in the in, in the AFC uh, North. Maybe. Uh, listen, if he's if he's guilty, I hope they bring the hammer. But we'll see. Time will tell. Well said. Well, that's saying I don't know I, if they're going to. He, he he's been cleared of criminal charges, at least in I the know. original twenty-two. It's all going to be financial, and then the NFL laying the hammer down. Yeah, it, this there's is, there's a wide range of outcomes here. Absolutely. Yeah. Old faces, new places. I got four of them. You have four as well. Well, I have four general yes yeah, situations. Uh, as and a, so let's like four people. Yeah. Why don't you why don't you give us your first one? I'm gonna go with Josh McDaniels, fine, sir. Uh head coach of the Broncos 2009 and part of 2010. He was 11 and 17. I don't think a lot of people necessarily even know that that ever happened. It was brief, it was ugly, it ended. And of course, most of us know his most famous uh uh I don't, I don't even know attribute of that whole uh, regime was uh, taking Mr. Tim Tebow with the 25th overall pick in 2010. Is this McDaniel's third stint as a head coach? Well, you're we saying count? that, I guess you're trying to trip, trip people up ca- here. Do we count the seven minutes he spent? In I don't think, I don't think that counts. I don't think he officially it's counted that. as their head coach. I think that was more of a, right. something in uh, a verbal agreement that he, exactly decided to back out on there with the Colts a few years back, which turned out the best, I think, for everybody. Agreed. But I think he's a new guy now. You know, he he gets – he's there with Dave Ziegler. Th- this is crazy. I'm, I'm going to throw stuff about this guy and how why I think this could work. 
I read an SI article about him two days ago. You should check this SI article about him. It is so long, but it is very detailed about him, his life, his football philosophy now, how much he admits he screwed up there, how he tried to micromanage everything, do everything. So now he's there with Dave Ziegler, one of his best friends, who was one of his roommates in college at John Carroll University. They were both wide receivers on the team. Dave Ziegler in 1999 led all of Division Three in total purpose yards, all-purpose yards. And that's his GM. So they're buddies. They're working together. Nick Casario, GM of the Texans, was their quarterback when they were there. Uh, and then uh, Tom Telesco, GM of the Chargers, was a wide receiver there as well at John Carroll University. I know I'm off track here, but quickly. Bonus question. Who is the most famous NFL player from John Carroll University, which I had never heard of? The player or the university? Which player, the most famous player? This is a guy who is an amazing all-pro level guy. Something, for some reason, I want to say John Randall. London I know Fletcher. Just, okay, because John Randall was a small school guy, I believe. He was. Undrafted free agent. Yep. London Fletcher, first- UFDA in 1998. John Carroll University somehow has created all these guys. So point being, so he's got a support system there. Him and his buddy are doing it together. Okay. It says when, when I read in the article too, that after it was, he signed a dotted line, it was immediately announced. Uh, Derek Carr told his, um, his, he was sitting there with his agent when he got the word real quick. And he said, I bet he's going to call me real soon. He said it was less than five minutes. Boom. He's on the other end. And then he called Max Crosby right after. So the players apparently already love the dude. They're loving his whole offensive philosophy. You bring in Devontae Adams. I really think this is going to work. And I would love for the Raiders to win that division. Do I think they're going to? Absolutely not. But I would love for them to come out and just lay waste to those other three teams. How do you think he is going to – so is he going to bring the Patriots offense? He is. All right, so so now we're talking dink and dunk, right? How much effect do you think that's going to have? Because Devontae Adams lives on touchdowns. But you got to think of dink and dunk. I mean, so I'm pretty sure he was back there. He was – was it him or Bill O'Brien in the big Randy Moss years? Or was it a little bit of both of them? I believe it was O'Brien. Okay, but I think they were both there in some capacity. So they're still going to throw. You've got all the Gronk stuff, so that's another thing where, you know, we were thinking about Darren Waller. Man, if he uses him like he used Gronk, well, he could be in for a huge year. Yeah, he's, he's already said he's going to use the, the – there will be no such thing as a workhorse running back. There isn't even a starting running back. He, he said in the article it might be this player A one week, player B the next week, and then the next week it might be a combination of A, C, and D – for different things he's doing. I know it kills us in fantasy. Yes. But yes. as we know, these head coaches don't really give two craps about our fantasy teams. Um, whether you and I win doesn't really help them if they're losing. They just don't have a job anymore. So he's already said he's going to do that. So Josh Jacobs will be going after this year. But, man, I, I really think he could – I think he's going to turn things around there. And they already – they made the playoffs last year. This isn't exactly like right. a cruddy team that has to rebuild. And if you want your team to get behind you, your new head coach stepping on the scene and you want your team to get behind you, going out and trading for the best wide receiver in the game is a good way to show your squad, like, this guy is in it to win it, buddy. 
Now, he was mentioning how in the past he didn't even know half of his staff. Now he's pulling the Andy Reid routine, and Bill Belichick, he said, does it too. The whole thing, your son has a little league championship game tonight. You don't have to ask permission. Just tell me you're going. Of course you're going. I'm making you go. So he's already doing that with his staff. His players said he's making a point to learn, like, the equipment manager's name, everybody's name in the building, and it's just a whole new world. He, he admits that he it was a total disaster of 100% his own making in Denver. I think he's going to be sharp, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I love it. You, it's tough to improve and learn from your mistakes if you're not willing to admit they were mistakes. Right. So that's good for him. Absolutely. Great for the Raiders. For sure. Well, can't be as bad as the last. Yeah, that, that last regime, that didn't, that didn't pan out, did it? Although I, the interim guy, I can not remember his name. He was great. I can't either. Yeah, the players really got behind him. They really respected him. I, 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 he went, what, to Green Bay? To I think he went to Green yeah. Bay to run their special teams because they were ranked dead last in special teams. Obviously, it cost them the playoff win. Uh, I think he went there to straighten that out. Yeah, he was hired. Once McDaniels was hired, yeah, he, sure. that guy was hired about three minutes later. All right, my first is sort of a collective unit, and I chose the Bengals' offensive line. And I chose this unit due to the fact that the Bengals are the returning AFC champions, and they fixed what was arguably their biggest hole. Uh, I'm not sure the Cowboys' O-line of the early 90s could have stopped Aaron Donald this past February in the Super Bowl, but he did make it obvious that since he had to do something. Uh, at the end of the season last year, PFF rated the – Cincinnati offensive line as the 20th best unit in the league. Uh, and I'll give you the ratings for their starting five at the end of the year. Um, and just for some reference, Zach Martin was a 94.2 and Tyron Smith was a 91.9. So that's how PFF graded them. And here's the Cincinnati offensive line as of last year. Jonah Williams left tackle was a 77.9. Not bad. Quentin Spain left guard was a 72.3. We can do that. And here's where the rails fall off. Trey Hopkins was a 51-4. Hakeem Adenji was a 48-4. And Riley Reef was a 67-3. So they completely, the only O-lineman starting that they're returning is Jonah Williams, our left tackle. So we got 77.9. Now they're bringing in, he was a rookie last year, second round, Jackson Carmen. He was only a 56.3 last year, but he was a rookie. And this dude is 6'5", 330. As of right now, Pennsylvania left guard. That's a monster guard. They went outside Ted Karras from the Pats for to be center, 77.2. Then they went out and got Alex Kappa from the Bucks, 74.2. And then they get Lael Collins, the right tackle from the Cowboys, at an 84. So the best offensive line for PFF last year was Dallas. They were a 411, was their total score 411. And I don't throw a bunch of numbers out here, but he's the last one. Currently, the bank, well, the Bengals were 317. They're now sitting at a 364. Now, this is all from last year. And, you know, obviously it, everything changes year to year. But we're talking a 50-point improvement, and that's nothing to scoff at. Um, and as it stands right now, Jonah Williams, their left tackle, is 6'4", 302, and is their smallest offensive lineman. So, basically, I went through all those numbers to tell you that their line used to suck, and now it doesn't. And that's big time for the turning champions of the AFC. My favorite part of that hole is that you use the word scoff. Okay. I mean, it's a fine oh, word. I am, I am a bit of a wordsmith at times. Yeah, you are a wordsmith. Well said. 
Yeah, I think this could be big. They already had a great offense. Now it's going to be better. I don't think as a unit they were as bad as maybe the PFF ratings look. But, man, when you can improve that much, geez, you peach, you didn't really have any other glaring weakness. Exactly. So, so you've improved that, and you have all these weapons. We've discussed they probably have the best one, two, three punch and wide receiver core in the league. Then you have Mixon, who's top five running back. Then you got uh, Burrow, who arguably top five, top ten. You got a solid defense, not the best in the league. So what did you do? You just made everything easier on ever all the skill positions on offense. If their defense doesn't fall flat on their face, I mean they're playoff bound for sure. Oh yeah, they should be. But man, they got a tough division. That AFC man. The more I research all these teams and these different players, this sweet. I mean, there's teams that are going to end up like tenth, tenth, eleventh, twelfth that would make the playoffs in the NFC with without breaking a sweat it's just the the skill level overall is so drastic that you could have a team like the Bengals as good as they are they could they could miss it's impressive the talent AFC has has got from from almost from top to bottom it really is yeah well always AFC is the AFC North is always tough they always beat up on each other and it's always it's always fun to see how that one plays out so with this improvement, what do you what do you think the Bengals will end up be? What, what record? Do you think they're going to win the division? I mean, I would have to really dive into their schedule. Um, winning the division, like we just said, is tough. I would probably say the Ravens would be my the favorite for me, simply because, I mean, I know they missed the playoffs last year, but they were also missing half of their starters on both sides of the ball. Right. So if you can give me a healthy Baltimore team, they're going toe to toe with Bengals. It's coin flip for me right now. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So but my if next... you really want me to pick. Yeah. I'll, I'll pick the Ravens. If, if I really have to pick, I'll pick the Ravens. So maybe Ravens are like 13 and four Bengals are 12 and five or 12 and five, 11 it. and six, something along those lines. I'll buy it. They're both going to the playoffs. I, you I think would, that I'm this new it. line I'll ask real quick before we move on, is going to help the passing game more, the running game more, or both? Collective. I mean, they're, they're big. So as long as they can, they can move, um, I don't know how much pulling and all that stuff that the, um, the Bengals do in their run game, but they're going, to be able to, they're going to be able to pass protect for sure. And if they're just going straight ahead or doing like a zone blocking scheme, then it's going to be – it's going to be – I mean, race into the end zone, whether you're T Higgins or Jamar Chase or Joe Mixon. Yeah. Okay, cool. So then I imagine you're expecting some huge years out of those weapons. Sure am. Yeah, me too. So I went with Von Miller. He's 33 years old now. He wanted to go to Buffalo. He actually says he thinks, he hopes he's the final piece to the puzzle there. He said he most definitely didn't want to sail off into the sunset with the Rams. I think they sort of brought him in for that big punch. They got the Super Bowl, and then they're like, okay, thanks. <laughs> Just sort of like, thanks. Uh, there's, there's the door. Been nice. Appreciate it. I just don't think he felt respected, not necessarily by players, but I think the management there just sort of one-time deal. It worked out great for everybody, including him. Move on. So he signs a six-year, $120 million deal with Buffalo. We both know, I think, two of the last two years are throwaway years. 
just for salary cap purposes. Because he's probably not going to be dominating at age 39, which you never know. Eight-time Pro Bowler, three first-team All-Pros, I think three more second-team All-Pros. Hasn't done it since 2016. Big deal. Defensive Rookie of the Year in 2011. Last year, he had still had nine sacks, 88.7 PFF grade. They put to him, which I, I guess it makes sense, they put him in their Tier 5, which they call Declining Forces. Guys that are still kicking butt in any given game might have four sacks, but aren't what they were five years ago. And I guess I buy that because he's not. Well, let's not make any bones about it. He's not what he was. Um, but that playoff run, his grade PFF was 93. Yeah, he jacked, he jacked that up there in, in, in the playoffs. Uh, Bills last year, I don't know if you know this, they finished number one in total defense, total yards per play. Passing yards allowed, passing yards per play, first downs allowed per game, third down conversion rate, and points per game. So and they got Von Miller and Tredavious White's coming back. The, the, the one of my favorite cliches, the rich get richer. Just, okay, well, that wasn't good enough. Let's get even more. So now you just got more firepower. Yes, yeah, so that they are – you potentially – as we've discussed previously, you might have the number one offense and number one defense in one city. And I want someone I've read now. This was an interesting take. I can't remember who said it. Buffalo used to be a place people didn't want to play. That's a there's nothing to do there. It's freezing cold. Like their biggest, tallest buildings about three stories. That's not the case now. Players want to go there. Football players want to go there because they want to get away from all the drama, all the crap, all the cameras. They want to go there to win football games. It's well, so weird with- how that flip-flop. Like people are begging to go to Buffalo and Green Bay, places like that now, where they used to avoid like the plague. So people liked Buffalo when they had Jim Kelly, right? Hall of Fame oh, yeah. quarterback. And they haven't had anyone since him until Josh Allen. You find yourself a franchise quarterback again, and guess what? People want to come play for you. Yeah, It's it's not that hard. I mean, it's hard to find that guy, but once you have that guy, people want to come. They'll flock. Oh, yeah. And the the Bills Mafia, man, they they treat those players right. Oh, yeah, we talked about that yes. uh, fandom before. They, they have some of the best fans in any oh, yeah. sport in, in the country. Yeah, so this guy, he's going to go there and just – just add add more to it, and maybe he is the last piece. We'll see. Again, AFC going to be tough. And I think they're going to like him as a person. Doesn't Von Miller have like a bunch of chickens and like live on a farm yeah. and stuff? There's, yeah. Those blue collar folks in in Buffalo love that about it. Yeah, he's a cool dude. And like like you said, I don't know how what percentage snaps he's going to play this year, but he still had nine and a half. He almost had double digit sacks last year. He's still listed as a starter. So I That's think gonna he's going to play. Good. He's only thirty three. He's not over the hill yet. You're right. It's not going to be a thing where he's he in every down, but I think he's still going to play a, a very high percentage of snaps. They didn't give him twenty million a year to be situational rusher. Well, that's a fair point on your part. Um, I'm going to go with another defensive pairing, and that's going to be Khalil Mack, pass rusher like our boy Von Miller we just talked about, and J.C. Jackson. The Chargers were 29th in points given up last year. And they also play in what could end up being the highest scoring division in the history of professional football. That being said, uh, they went out and are, in my opinion, leading an arms race for defensive mercenaries. First, they traded with Chicago for Khalil Mack. 
This dude is a six-time pro baller, three-time all-pro with almost 80 career sacks. He's coming off a down year. He only had six sacks, and he definitely hasn't been as productive for Chicago as he was with the Raiders, but now he's running alongside Mr. Joey Bosa, and he has an offense that is going to force teams to play catch-up, and that is exactly what a sack artist like Mac wants. Think about uh, the Rams, and um, I'm sorry, think about Dwight Franey and Robert Mathis back when Peyton Manning was tearing up at Indianapolis. Man, just pinning your ears back and going after that other team because you know they got to throw to catch up. Um, it's going to be exciting to watch them. Um, and then with J.C. Jackson, he's, they signed him to a five-year, $82.5 million contract. Last year was his first year as a full-time starter. He turned in a Pro Bowl season, second-team All-Pro nod. He's got 17 interceptions over the last two seasons and 37 pass breakups. Completion percentage when thrown to him was at 48%, and QB rating was 47. Keep in mind, they got Asante Samuel Jr. on the other side. Derwin James, as long as they can get him back healthy, this is going to be an interesting defense. I know we talked about it. Was it last week or the week before? Um when we talk about fantasy defenses, but in real life, this is going to be fun one to watch. It will be. My thing with uh, Jackson is you and I have discussed pretty much at length how Bill Belichick can just go find some dude down at the mall, you know, shopping for video games and bring him back. And somehow within two years, the dude's a Pro Bowl corner. It, you think Belichick it, buys video games? I don't know. He might. It seems like something he might do. I'm not saying he was there to buy him. I'm saying the guy's there to buy him. He just sees the guy. He looks like he could be a, a corner, and he takes him and turns him into one. Malcolm Butler? Oh, there's one. He's back now, right? He's back back <laughs> in New England. Just but here was my point with that. So many of these guys, and mm -hmm. I don't have the full list of names, but I'm just, just thinking about this today. They do so well in New England, but when they leave, not quite as much. The, the so, list is long for defensive players that that's that that happens with. Yeah, and they all they I feel like they all come back too. Like, oh, and man, a lot of them do. Can they get back there and they do well? Not so again. great outside of Foxborough. So maybe it's a sp the particular system way they're coached up, way this that the other. I don't know. Maybe it's how they're used in these other places. Isn't what they the Patriot way? I don't know. I still think he's going to do really well, and you're going to get a lot of opportunities because there's going to be a lot of pressure, a lot of balls just floating up in the air for those guys. And you're right. It's, I don't think it's the Chargers offense as amazing as it's going to be that's going to win the division. It'll be the defense. The, the Chiefs defense, I think, is looking pretty good, too. And the Raiders wasn't bad last year. Max Crosby's a freaking monster. The Broncos, Broncos also isn't exactly is bad. They did lose Von Miller. Uh, so, yeah, that, that whole division, it's just crazy. I'm more, excited to, I'm more excited to watch the AFC West than I am the NFC East, and my team is in the NFC East. I told you, I want a whole season of just the AFC West playing each other. <laughs> and occasionally you have to do musical quarterbacks just to make it interesting, more okay. interesting. I'd watch, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It sounds ridiculous, but I would most definitely watch. Patrick Mahomes with Devontae Adams, Darren Waller, and Hunter Renfro. I mean – Listen, Derek Carr is great, but he's not Patrick Mahomes. No, he's not. What if you own something here? Can we do this in the offseason? If it's just flag football. We'd have to do it on like Madden or something and just let it play itself out. Mm. It, it would be fun. Uh, who's next on your list, my friend? So I went with a, an actual group as well, the new uh, Kansas City Chiefs uh, wide receiver core. They lost Tyreek 
to the Dolphins, Pringle to the Bears, to Marcus Robinson to the Raiders. They accounted just last year for 178 catches, 2,071 yards, and 17 TDs, which isn't crazy because Tyreek didn't have as many TDs as he has in the past. So you bring in Juju. You bring in MVS. Obviously, Sky Moore, rookie, but that's not really an old face. That's a brand new face. Did you know that Juju is only 25 years old? Yes. It seems like he's been around for freaking ever. He's 25. Isn't what's that rookie? Um vast uh the dude with the bears. Bayless Jones. Yes, he's 25. Mm -hmm. I know. (laughs) He's so weird, so bizarre that he's only 25. MVS 27. He, he's the Amari Cooper of 25-year-olds. Remember we yes. said Amari Cooper is almost the same age as Terry McLaurin? Yes. And it's like, man, it doesn't make sense. But, it's hey, you come out of college early and you're young coming out early. Yeah. You buy yourself a few more years in the league, man. You might get yourself an extra contract. Yeah, yeah. Well, absolutely. Big money. So I, I just looked at their best seasons. I don't expect this to be their best season ever. Juju's best was 2018, 111 for 1426, seven TDs. MVS was 2020, only 33, 690, and six TDs because he still had a little of the dropsies. And we both know if Aaron Rodgers thinks you're not going to run the right route or drop a ball, he just won't throw to you for six to seven weeks. Not six or seven plays, six or seven quarters. Six to seven weeks, he just won't throw to you. You could be standing there by yourself. The defense could go take a hike, and he's just going to take off running because he's not going to throw you the ball because he's afraid you'll drop it. I love Teddy. Obviously, Miko Hartman's still there, but they also, on top of all this, signed Justin Ross out of Clemson, a guy who considered three years ago as a first-round talent, destroys his spine, has spinal surgery, now he doesn't even get drafted. I wonder, did he get yeah. drafted later? Is he UDFA? UDFA. I thought he was, yeah. Um, and Josh Gordon, of all people, is still there. But those aren't new faces. But the others are. I but, honestly think they were just done with Tyreek and just the money, the attitude, because he now is starting to say some things. He said the other day, I don't know if you saw this, his little thing about why am I not getting a rock? Like he was annoyed. I'm the best player on this field. Why are you not throwing the thing to me? So he was starting to get a little more diva in him than, than I think what people realize. He was getting perturbed. These guys can come in. I think they're going to do well. They're going to learn the offense. Okay, yeah, they'll have some growing pains at first. But having Patrick Mahomes, a QB, doesn't exactly uh, hurt. I think they're going to be good. I really do. I think this offense, I think it needed revitalized. It needed something different because teams were, like I said, that, that little Tampa 2 last year was just – killing them and i think this i think this is gonna work out talk to me yeah um we'll see i'm not sold simply because of the element that tyreek hill brought i still think they're missing that i know mvs is fast and stretch the field nobody cares about him uh he's not tyreek hill obviously the one thing about juju is i've always been a juju guy and now the year after he blew up Everybody thought he was going to be great, and he he wasn't. He's had but some the, injuries too, but right that does but factor the following in. Year, the following year, I was much higher on him. I anticipated a bounce back. Um, he's a guy that I was wrong on. Now he still ended up with ninety-seven catches and nine touchdowns, 
but I thought he was going to be a solid wide receiver one um, after the down year. And I feel like I've, I've been waiting now. I was off of him obviously last year. I feel like I'm still waiting for him to come back with that and give me that season. I thought he was going to have, I don't think it's going to happen um, this year in Kansas city, but I do think he can be a solid contributor in real life and in fantasy. I mean, if he ended up as a wide receiver 23, I think that's a solid, a really solid year for him. Um, and we obviously we both love Sky Moore, but he's not an old face. MVS, man, I just can't get over the boom or bust guy. He's either going to he's going to end up with three catches for 97 yards or he's going to end up with one catch for 11. And I just I don't like that in real football. I don't like that in fantasy football. That's just who MVS is for me. If any one of these old faces are going to make an impact, I think it's Juju. I think he's going to be that guy. Yeah, I think he. I think he will. I, you know, I think he'll definitely have a bigger season than MBS. I guess my thought is, I'm not really thinking of this at all from a fantasy standpoint. I okay. think of just from. I think this will revitalize the offense. It's going to be something new. There will be growing pains at first, but by I think midway through the season, I think this offense is going to really take off again. It just got stale. It was just too much. Tyreek, Tyreek, Tyreek. Occasionally throw the ball to Kelsey. I just, I, I think it really got stale. I think this could be big and it opened up so much money for the other needs they had well I mean, we're, maybe, we'll see how it goes here maybe Andy Reid missed the days in Philly when he didn't have a true number one wide receiver and he was throwing to James Thrash and Todd Pinkston maybe he just wanted to re- relive those years maybe he did or, or maybe he's expecting Sky Moore to be that guy and these other guys are going to be playing the slot and just MVS just going to be streaking down the field to open up everything underneath for Kelsey don't know. They, they, he had a reason. And I, I'm at the point now I've got to give Andy Reid the benefit of the doubt because dude knows 100%. what he's doing. And, again, 100%. having Mahomes doesn't exactly hurt hurt their chances. So uh, it, It'll be fun to watch. All right. My third guy, um, this one gets a little juicy, especially if we're talking fantasy, and it is Russell Wilson. Every year people do the whole who's going from worst to first thing. And last year, Denver was 7-10 and 10 and finished last in the AFC West. That, of course, was before trading for Mr. Wilson. And I have to imagine that the Broncos will be a popular worst-to-first team for all the analysts out there who, who choose to do that. I'm not buying it just yet, but Wilson might be the old-face, new-place guy that has the biggest impact on his new team. Now, obviously, it's not groundbreaking because he is a quarterback, most important position on the field. Uh, he's been one of the best in the league for many years, but that's uh, probably the truth. The last time the Broncos made the playoffs was 2015 when Peyton Manning was at the helm. Uh, and they've only had one winning season since then. They were nine and seven uh, the first year after Manning retired. Last year, Denver had the third ranked scoring defense, but only the 23rd highest scoring offense. So you get rid of Drew Locke, you bring in Russell Wilson. That's a pretty good uh, trade off there, considering. Wilson's a nine-time Pro Bowler. He's been the Pro Bowl every year except one. He's stepping into an offense with some serious playmakers, and he's only two years removed from a 40-passing touchdown season. Uh, I know he's had DK, Metcalf, and Tyler Lockett to throw to, but his core he has right now is probably the deepest he's ever played with. Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick, KJ Hamler should be back from injury. Plus, he got Javante Williams, our guy, and Melvin Gordon. Um, and Russ is efficient. He doesn't need – a ton of passes to get it done. He was 
I think the Seahawks ran the least amount of pass plays last year. And Wilson was fifth in yards per attempt and seventh in fantasy points per drop back. So Denver still may end up as the worst team in the division. Um, but, dude, they're, they're all in for a championship, and I love it. I do believe that they will be last in the division, but I think that they'll probably be like 10 and 7. <laughs> they should come in fourth because they're going to beat up on everybody. I just don't see them really beating the teams in the division. Uh, my only so with Russ is his little – Thinky dead finger because the second half of the season was not pretty. Now we can blame that on the finger and that's fine because it was, that is why he was doing fine until that happened. Uh, I had him on one of my squads and that just didn't pan out after that. I got to the point. I didn't, I just benched him the last five, six games because he couldn't do anything. Have uh, through, through researching, what's the word on that? Uh, that I haven't heard anything from it. I mean, literally nothing. So, it's so you're you're thinking it's a no news, it's not a good news deal. I would imagine because I mean when you got people talking about how Leonard Fournette looks a little chubby coming back from the off season, but we're not talking about Russell Wilson's injured finger. I'd say it's no news. It's good news for that. Speakers, that reminds me of something we touched on weeks ago about Najee Harris and the people freaking mm-hmm. out that he's two forty four, and then he came out like the week after we mentioned it, and he said like people be tripping. I was 242 last year. I only gained two pounds. <laughs> and well, it's like we it. didn't really realize he was playing at 242. And right. it, the 244 seems crazy, but it's really not. He ate an extra hot dog one day, and now he's 244. So, uh, I don't know, just a sidetrack there. I, I thought it was a funny quote that he he's like, what are you people freaking out? Like? I gained two pounds. So, um, Nonetheless, yeah. I think Russell will be defense. fine. He's got, he throws the best deep ball in the game. Everybody yeah. says it. He really does. It's so pretty. My he in weapons. Yeah, you better believe it. And are they going to be shootouts? And you know, I'm a big proponent of let Russ cook. That's that's my boy because I love it. Defense, but if that defense can be another top five defense in the league, and you add Russell Wilson, you're removing Drew Locke and adding Russell Wilson. I mean, that's that's big time right there. You know something that's crazy about the, the defenses, whether you're one through five, six through ten, whatever, is you could have a, a one that essentially for the rest of the league is a top five, but because you play in that division, you've got to play six games where teams might go for 500 yards on you, and it's going to blow the whole thing out of whack. But again, you're so strong, so dominant, but because you play those teams on paper, it doesn't look like it, but on the field, it most definitely does. But I, I think he should have a big year. I've seen people saying, you probably saw an article too, some people saying he could very well end up the number one quarterback. He could. He's I don't think be, he's going to. But they yeah, make pretty good cases race. of how it could happen. All right, my friend. Last old face, new place for you. Okay, my last one, buddy, is our friends that are now in Indy. Mr. Matt Ryan, Mr. Stefan Gilmore, another uh, Pat's uh, corner. We'll start with uh, Matt Ryan. They got him for a third-round pick. Crazy. 37 years old. I really thought he was past his best days until I did some research. He's really not that bad. Last year, his PFF grade was 75.8. Not, not great, but years before, 83-1, 76-84-3, 88-3, 92-2, 80.9. He was 16th out of 38 eligible quarterbacks last year. That's a starter in my fantasy league. 
and yeah. he did it without his number one receiver. He did it with nothing. Shot. Right. Yeah. Your number one, your best player on your team is your tight end rookie who's still learning the ropes, and they're triple covering on every play. Technically, okay. I think their best player was the person they didn't know if it was a running back or a wide receiver. Exactly. Is he was running back the first half season, wide receiver the second half because they inexplicably were well, not inexplicably, they were just tanking the second half of the season. So last year with the Falcons, again, nothing to work with 67% completion rate. You know what his career is 65.5. He actually had a better than his career average yards 3,968. His career average, 4,266. Only 300 yards difference. Granted, he had an extra game, but still. Touchdowns to interceptions, 20 to 12. Career averages, 26 to 12. Quarterback rating, 90.4. Career, 94.2. So he did that with essentially crap, with nothing, with, a, with a, an above-average college receiving core a team that had nothing that nobody was scared of running for his life, always behind having to chuck balls up. And he still did really so much better than I thought. I thought he had just fallen off a cliff, but he really hasn't. So we're going to take him up there. Seven is 75.8. Wentz was a 70.9 last year. He was 22nd of 38, which also surprised me. I would have thought he was about 79th of 38, but <laughs> I think this is great. So before we get to Gilmore, give me your thoughts on that, Ryan, because there was a time in life where you, maybe two, three years ago, we had this little debate on Facebook or somewhere that you thought Matt Ryan was hands down better than Matt Stafford, correct? Um, and I said yes. the opposite, which I, because I think either one of them were great, but I correct. So talk to but you. You chose um, Stafford. Yeah. I, I love it for Matt Ryan. I love it for the Colts because with all of those stats you just said, let's sub out Calvin Ridley and give him a full season with Michael Pittman. And let, let's sub out Russell Gage and give him Alec Pierce, uh, the monster rookie. Um, let's sub out Mike Davis and half a season of Cordero oh, yeah. Patterson <laughs> and give him, give him Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. This is shaping up to be, I mean, a dream scenario for Matt Ryan. The Colts, every, everyone was picking the Colts to win that division preseason. Maybe some, some folks were throwing the Titans out there because the Titans always seem to overperform. But they were a very popular choice um, to win the AFC um, South. And I don't know how adding Matt Ryan – gives you worse odds because he's, I think he's better than Carson Wentz and he's, and he's, as far as fantasy goes, he's had productive more than one productive receiver before in his career. I mean, he was known, was it Roddy white and Julio Jones? He made both of them fantasy relevant, right? So there can be fantasy relevant guys throughout this offense with Matt Ryan running the show. Did you just make the claim that Julio Jones was only fantasy relevant because of Matt Ryan? I said Matt Ryan had two fantasy relevant wide receivers. He was able to make two fantasy relevant. So your boy, Matt Stafford, 
did he ever have another fantasy relevant wide receiver not named Calvin Johnson? No, not necessarily. Okay. But my guess, I didn't understand your wording as though, like, if anybody else was quarterback, Julio Jones wouldn't be uh, fantasy relevant. I think he'd be fantasy relevant, but anywhere. But I buy your Roddy White. Yeah, he'd have been a nobody. My thing with Ryan over um, your boy Wentz, Wentz folds. You've got their playoffs on the line. You're playing Jacksonville, the worst team in the league, and you get blown out. You're down 21 zip in the first quarter. He looked like he couldn't wait to get off the field. He just wanted it to be over, and we all knew he was never coming back after that. Matt Ryan, I'd never gotten that feeling. Even when they blew that Super Bowl, at no point during the game did I think he was sucking, he was scared, he was frightened. If anything, he didn't blow it. Their defense did. They couldn't stop the Patriots to save their lives. Ryan gives them a 28-3 lead, and then they just blew it. So I think, yeah, all these guys are going to have better stats. They're going to win more games. They're going to be ahead in games. Taylor will be better. Everybody. Is this a long-term thing? No. But if you're going all in, this is a guy to get for this year. And for a third-round pick? Yeah. Really? Really? Do you know Roddy White led the Falcons in receiving six years in a row? He was a beast. Yeah, he could play. He could play. And he was one of those guys you could get in the fourth, fifth round. You know, you could pay 20 bucks for you. Nobody ever gave him any respect. So he's a guy you could count on getting later and get you a wide receiver one stats. I mean, low end wide receiver one stats. He might have one or two years there that were really dominant. But, oh, yeah, that dude could play. So my other one, Stefan Gilmore. He's got a two-year deal, $14 million, uh, guaranteed, only three years out of Defensive Player of the Year. Had two picks last year, rated a 77.1 uh, uh, with PFF. Uh, he was number 16, I believe. Uh, the dude's a beast. He's, like I said, just removed from that. He's going to come in there and immediately make them better. He hasn't done a whole lot the last few years, but he's had a lot of injuries, and I don't like to use injuries as excuses, but they are reasons why people struggle. You had those guys. You have two people like that. Essentially, uh, uh, an offensive player of the year, a defensive player of the year that aren't that far removed from it. You take this 9-8 and eight team, and all of a sudden, they're 12-5 and five in a very, very, very weak division. Right, and that, I think that's a key that we people need to remember is you got four games against the Texans and the Jaguars. Yeah. So whether it's real football or fantasy football, that, that is, well, we, we thought it'd be easy for the Colts against the Jags last year, but I mean, this is, those are four prime games to, to eat. If you're, if you're Indianapolis plus Darius Leonard, don't forget about him running the defense there. Uh, from linebacker position for the Colts. Um, it's going to be – they should be what – this year they should be as least as good or better than they were supposed to be this past season. They should be. And, and Tennessee, man, they just seem like last year it was done with smoke and mirrors. There's so much – it seems turmoil for a team that did so well. They ended up the number one seed, yet it, nobody gives them respect. I don't think anybody would be surprised they didn't even make the playoffs this year. So that, that, that division's there for the taking. So if they don't do it now, I don't know. Heads might, heads might roll after this season. Frank Reich will definitely be on a hot seat. That's for he, sure. Oh, no doubt. Because 
this will be your third quarterback in three years. You just keep bringing in these one and done guys, first Rivers, then Wentz, you know, now this. So uh, he's, he's, I think you're right. You, you got some real talent on that team to keep not, to just miss the playoffs altogether. He's not afraid to kick the tires, is he? No, he is not. So made him a good backup quarterback. He went in there and he just went after it. If it worked, it worked. If it didn't, okay. All right, sir. So we've been talking about the AFC and how talented it is. And I just realized that I had four, you had four old faces, new places, all of them being from the AFC. That was unplanned, unscripted. I didn't but even I just think, yeah, that. I didn't even think about it. But, my my last one is Mike McDaniel. You you started with Josh McDaniels, coach. I'm going Mike McDaniel as my last one. Um, new head coach for the Miami Dolphins. And I'm talking about him because he's coming from San Francisco, where he was the offensive coordinator from 2017 to last year. And he also served as a run game coordinator for an offense that had the sixth most rushing attempts in the NFL last year. Miami was 18th last year. San Francisco is also fifth in rushing touchdowns. Miami was 24th. Uh, and this next one is going to be um, not just for Miami folks out there, but for all those Tyreek Hill fans. Miami had 615 pass attempts last season. San Francisco had more than 100 less. They had 514, 101 to be exact. Um, and Kansas City had 675. So Tyreek Hill is going from an offense that threw 675 passes to one last year, Mike McDaniel's offense only, only threw 514. That is an enormous drop. This Miami offense is not going to support a wide receiver one, not with the run first mentality, not with 12 running backs on your roster and not with two as your quarterback. Jimmy Garoppolo, he's not the best quarterback in the league, but I'd certainly take him over to him. And he was able to have a wide receiver one in Debo Samuel. Debo was the second best wide receiver in the league. A lot of that came on running plays. Tyreek Hill is not Debo. He's not going to be taking all these sweet sweeps. He's not going to line up in the backfield and run between the tackles. Not big Debo enough. Had eight, he had eight rushing touchdowns last year, Debo did. Tyreek Hill is not going to do that. This offense will not sustain a wide receiver one. I think Mike McDaniel is great. I think he's he is interesting, man. He's like a, a year or two older than me, I think. I think he's still in his 30s. Yeah, he's and he in interviews, he looks like such a nerd and he, and he but he drops like rap quotes in during interviews. Very interesting fella. But I think he's I think he's a genius. I mean, he made it work in San Francisco. He's bringing his guys with him. He's making that offense his own, as he should, right? Raheem Mostert, he brought in. Sony Michelle, he brought in. Chase Edmonds. I mean, running back after running back. Miles Gaskin is still there. Um, right now, I have Tyreek Hill as my 16th-ranked wide receiver. I have Jalen Waddle as my 15th. I don't think either one of them are going to be wide receiver ones, obviously. But Waddle is more um, – What's the word I'm looking for here? He, he, is, he is more ready for that offense they're going to run than, than Tyreek Hill is. And two already has a connection with him. Runs in little short routes, a lot of, lot of catches, not going to be a lot of air yards of target, but it's, it's Waddle's the guy for me only slightly. So, okay. I got you. So we'd be going back to last week. So you're saying in a fantasy draft, if they're both there in the third round, 
you would take Waddle ahead of Tyreek? No, I would not take Tyreek um, simply because he's probably going to go before that, but even not. Um, and we'll talk about this in our draft strategies episode. You know, we'll probably do that in late July, early August, but it's important to make your own rankings be, and to know ADP because if I know the average draft position of Jalen Waddle and I know he's not going to the fifth or sixth round, but I have him ranked above Tyreek Hill. I don't have to take him above Tyreek Hill. I can still wait around or two and get Waddle because I know nobody else is going to take him. I'll still be getting him earlier than he goes, but I won't have to take him then. Does that make sense? It does. It was the same with me. Like I wouldn't necessarily take St. Brown ahead of Stefan Diggs because I know I could get St. Brown two rounds later. Well, like you, you last week, you had Mike Williams. Would you really, you didn't have Devontae Adams in your top five. Would you really take him ahead of him? You wouldn't have to because that would never, that scenario would never come up. Right. Um, That's I think, why it's important to do your own rankings and pay attention to ADP. Absolutely. I think right now, Tyreek Hill is saying all the right things, almost to the point that he's sitting there trying to say that two or thirds a better ball than Patrick Mahomes. There's roughly zero people on earth that believe that, including Tyreek Hill and Tua. That is one of the stupidest quotes that's come out this entire offseason. Like, really? Okay, I'm for you. If you want to back this guy, you want to talk him up, maybe we, we have to give him a fair shake. But you're seriously going to try to convince us that he's a better quarterback than Patrick Mahomes. I mean, come on. That, that, that's, that's getting deep there. We got to get the boots on. You are right. We all trying to... Go ahead. We all try to we all try to talk ourselves into things sometimes. That's and that's intense and, there. That's intense. It's true. It's true. I mean, I don't know. There's there's lots of things you try to talk yourself into, and this just happens to be what's on, what's on Tyreek Hill's. Like, he doesn't have a choice. He got yeah, traded. No, right? he could just keep his mouth shut. Well, that's. I mean, or or or, or build him up in a way that's believable because I'm pretty sure, like I said, Tua himself doesn't believe that crap. <laughs> So you're not really building them up when, when the guy knows you're just talking a bunch of crap. Okay. You see this, you see Tua and Tyreek standing, staring at each other in the mirror. And Tyreek's like, you're better than Patrick Mahomes. I'm better than Patrick Mahomes. You're better than. <laughs> I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. And doggone it. People like me. I mean, it's just crazy. It's stupid. But my bigger point of that is let's see in week seven. When Tyreek Hill has about 30 catches for about 400 yards and two touchdowns, let's see how much he backs him up then. Especially if you're right, and Waddle has about 25% of all that stuff, more than Tyreek. It's going to get ugly quick. Gasecki, I don't care about him. He's so feast or famine. He'll have three weeks in a row where he'll have one catch for seven yards, and then he gets three TDs and 180 the next. I don't care uh, him. Uh, All the running backs, they are going to run that Niners offense. And Tyreek is not big enough to take that beating Debo. Debo can run around you, past you, or straight up through you. Tyreek cannot. That's going to be most of troll. It might I be for the, first now, two, for the first two and a half quarters of week one. <laughs> <laughs> right, for sure. Man, there was never a better fantasy play. It was week one last year, right? Yes, then it was like Raheem Mostert against the Lions. It was a Lion. Was it the Lions? It, uh, yeah, I think it was. The dude played about 10 quarters the whole season, but he had the two fastest plays of the whole year in week one. <laughs> he hit like 20-some-whatever miles per hour. He had the two fastest p- 
plays with the ball on the season, and he barely played a, played three games. Now, real quick before we before we I don't know close up shop or get to some final final thoughts here. I we both agree that McDaniel is bringing that San Francisco offense. That's what he knows. That's what, what he's they hired him for. Right. That being said, if if Gesicki is in the George Kittle role, I'm loving it. I'm actually a lot higher. I just listened to a mock draft on Fantasy Pros the other day, and Kasiki went like the 13th round. Yes. Well, yes, I, I, I will. 13th I will round, take I'll that. buy. Yeah, but even I, – I'm higher. I'm higher than most on Kasiki. I don't know. Even Kittle, we talked about it. He's still – he's still, he's so feaster fam sometimes too. There was a game last year they didn't even throw him one ball. It was – a matter of fact, it was – it was the week I played him in the once and done league in the playoffs. I saved him all year. I play him his first target, not catch was also, he caught it. His first target of the game came with three minutes left in the fourth quarter. Welcome to the NFL tight end world. Exactly. So that's why I can't get so behind a second 13th round. Yeah. I'll take him all day in the 13th round. Give him to me for five bucks in, in my auction league. That's fine. But I just don't see him as an every week focal focal point of that office. Not with those receivers. They brought they brought in Cedric Wilson too. He wasn't there last year, was he? Wasn't he with Dallas? Was he with Dallas still? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was. I'm pretty sure. I'm just saying he's there. Um, yeah. yeah, they're going to bring in a run first offense. Whatever receiver he might see, he might not use any receiver in that way. He used Debo in that way because he could. That's what I think. It's not so just going to throw any one of these guys and say, you, I think you can do it, so we're just going to throw you at it and make you do it. I don't think they have that horse to pull that wagon. I don't think they do. So oh, that's going to change off. So, but you're right. He might just put Mostert in, put, some, put one of the running backs. He's going to put whoever he can in there that's super fast, go get around that, that edge, and just be going. That's it. Any, anything else? Any extra thoughts? No, the NFL's it's coming up here soon. We're gonna have to start digging deep into some fantasy stuff soon and doing our uh, team. Uh, what, what would we break call this? What what do you like call the, them? Well, we break we break down each team. For yeah, team breakdowns. Yeah, it, it's going to get interesting real fast because once those training camps really get in full full force, it just gets crazy. And oh, yeah. man, I, I'm I'm pumped for the season. I'm excited. Yeah, we'll get some guests on here too. Yeah. Soon. All right. Nothing else, sir? No, I'm good. How about you? I'm great, man. Um, Folks, if you have any questions, please shoot us a message on Facebook or Twitter. We did answer one um, tonight, so we'd love to answer yours. Uh, Thanks for listening. Our tunes are by Flatline. And check us out on Spotify, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter at GYBR underscore podcast. Again, it's at GYBR underscore podcast. Thank you. There's one thing I wanted to mention for next week. We're doing a okay. Monday show, correctly? Correct? Ah, yes. So yes, look for us Tuesday morning on uh, Spotify and Facebook. Excellent. Excellent. Sounds good, my friend. Okay. See you, bud. See you.